Welcome to Full Stack Business Owner, where we are enhancing your full stack of skills to build wealth inside and the opposite of inside, outside your business. Charlie, I don't know if you've read the news. Apparently, there's a recession kind of kicking around. There's little things. I actually consumed way too much news on the weekend and all the forecasts on the upcoming recession. And I'm like, it's pretty convincing one's coming. You know, I watched all these news outlets and there was a unanimous decision that I came to across all of them that they were all suggesting. You know what that was? Tell me. That if you actually head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter, put in your details, that is the greatest way to fight the recession. Why? Because it provides you amazing information and insights. Dude, that's yeah. exactly how I've survived the last recession. <laughs> it's by being on the email else. list. That's the secret. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, my gosh. Now, before we get started, let's cue your infamous disclaimer. Charlie here from Full Stack Business Owner. I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Full Stack Business Owner team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice or pick investment products. We highly encourage you seek out and engage the use of professionals when making financial decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Charlie. Intro talked about recession. Is it the best time to build a business in a recession or should we all just contract? Should we just like go into our little turtle shells and not do anything? Can we just set this one up in this way first? I'm a really big fan of this guy called Stan Truckermiller <sighs> um, and I probably butchered his last name a little bit. No, no, he's- you did well. You did well. <sighs> Lucky. Now, I find him a really interesting thinker in the way he thinks, and um, this is a guy who runs something known as a family office. So he's got like a private hedge fund, would you call it? Kind of. He manages money for really wealthy people. Let's just put it that way. Now, he was featured uh, in an interview. He doesn't do a lot of interviews as well, right? So when things come out from Stan and he's very, very in demand, it's like I tend to stop and listen to them. There's a few out there, like Howard Marks would be another one. You know, Warren Buffett would be another one. There's a few people in that world. And I'm listening to Stan talk and he he draws this conclusion that his view is next year there's going to be some sort of recession. He goes, uh, and I love the way he says this, he goes, I've been wrong many times, but this is the game plan I'm running from. What a great framework. It's like just open-minded to changing his mind based on something else happening. So I think the same thing here. We don't know for certainty a recession is coming. We don't know for certainty if it's going to be a deep one or a shallow one or non-existent at all. But his view is that if there is one coming and that is his, what do you call it, core thesis. That is the thesis. Then this is how he's going to play it. And I think that's a great frame to bring into this episode. So if there is a recession that potentially comes in there, like why is this the best time? Like how could this actually be your advantage? Because I think too many people think in the paradigm of recession comes, well, that means it has to be a bad time for me. Recession means business sucks, life's hard. I see some image of the 1930s where people are like lined up out the front of handouts, got signs on the street. We'll work for food in my suit. That's just not not so. Not so at all. That's not how it works. So I I think that's a good cue in. So, I mean, I'll ask you first, Grant, do you think there's going to be a recession in 2023 or is there something coming or is I've just watched too much news? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I look at this as a like a, as a level thing, right? And there was a there was a great interview with someone that was talking about uh, when they witnessed a recession with guys in suits with a sign saying "We'll work for the day," right? And uh, from my 
hypothesis. I don't think it was going to get that bad, but we'll feel it. And I actually think that Australia is in this great little position based on the way Australia is that we'll probably weather the storm better than most, in my opinion. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me we can immigrate people and sell all our minerals? Oh, we've, yes. The, there are the many playbook. Things, <laughs> there are many levers that Australia gets to pull that America does not get to pull or other countries don't get to pull. So uh, on a global scale, yeah, like, sure. Uh, I would probably argue that it's probably in a recession. It's just not the pain that they're feeling at the moment. But Australia is just a little bit of a unique egg. Right, like I still go out to restaurants and have to line up an hour to get <laughs> to get some food. Well, Stan made this really good point. He's like, it's not here yet, and yeah. I would concur. So, I, you know, we, I, I think we have to be careful how we say that comment because it's like, how many more rate rises and for how long before that changes? Totally, and it could change. Totally, and so from my perspective, yes, like it's hundred percent it, yes. It's just people aren't feeling the pain, and people are still spending, and we've got all this cash saved up from good old COVID times and all those. All those things that I'm like, sure, at some point we will get to a to a, an area where they call it out for being a recession, depending on sort of the technical analysis you want to be on. Do you reckon that we are or are you following sort of stand where next year is it? I just think from where I'm sitting right now, as long as inflation is a problem, they're going to hike rates. If they hike rates enough, it causes a recession. So until that changes, my view is yes, there is one coming. So why do you think people play defense, especially business owners on this? Like, and I know personally from human nature is what is it? It's flight, fight and freeze, right? And a lot of people just like either freeze or they just like, they don't really sort of fight into it, right? They kind of flight or run away from what they've got. Why do you think that that's human nature? Because I really want to understand why in a tough time running a business could be the best option for people. All right, so here's my thesis on this. I have actually thought about this. I think in the good times, a lot of business owners get sloppy and when they hear the R word, it forces them to address their sloppiness. So and so, let's say you're using debt. You ran too much debt in your business in the good times thinking it would go forever. You're looking at this, interest rates go up and then instead of being in a well-run ship ready to seize the opportunities of a recession – you're now forced to play cleanup because you're overexposed. And debt's just one. It might be management. You hired people and paid them too much. Yep. It, like there's uh, several things. You, you priced thin thinking that money was going to be cheap. Right? There's all these things that like are kind of like in the good, good times cover all the sloppiness. But like in the more challenging things these or more challenging times, these things really count. So I think a lot of business owners – Myself included at one point. I don't want to pretend that I'm immune to this, right? I got overexposed uh, many years ago in running my business sloppy and like it hit me hard. Lucky I wasn't in a recession at that point. If a recession did hit, that would have been very, very difficult. Double win. So, yeah, but that clean up mentality and then you look at it on the other front and go, well, did they buy too much house in that time? Have they been overspending and haven't got cash reserves? Have they got a tax debt? You can see that there's all these things that suddenly come into frame and without the income coming in at the same level, it forces them into that defense mode. And did they build enough buffers to weather any storm? I know that we've spoken about it, like recessions can usually last for two years. So I was like, can they weather that storm? Do they have the cash in the bank to support? Yeah, do you know what, just quickly on that, you know that episode we made on buffers? Yep. Do you know how many people message me saying that, oh, I'm way too conservative, I've got way too much cash? Tell you who's feeling pretty fucking good right now, Gran. <laughs> Not you. 
Ah, baby. Um, well, because I'm going to seize opportunities on this cycle. If this, as I nervously say, recession comes through, is like I'm going to be there with the cash to seize this stuff. But that's that's a different topic for a different day. But it's just it amazed me how many people were like, it's ridiculous for you to have that much reserves. And I go, doesn't seem so ridiculous now. Yeah, I th- I find that it's the difference for me in what I in what I have personally adapted to is my speed for adoption of change, right? And this is by me not adapting to changing times. And I've spoken about the SEO agency before and it's like the only change that I had was run away from it <laughs> as opposed to trying to adapt it. Well, that's a pretty good change. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, that's, that's, well, that, but that's where people are facing now, right? Like I ran away because it became commoditized. But what about when a recession hits? Do people just run away from their business? And when I say run away, it's like ain't no one buying those businesses or if they will, it's pennies on the dollar. Like it's like nothing that they're buying these things for. And so I actually look at this going, the ones who are most aware of it are the ones who are looking for the opportunities in order for them to change their thinking and change how they approach it in order to seize the opportunities that arise as opposed to the other people who are sitting there contracting going, I'm just going to go in my bathtub, weather the storm, and then I'm going to get out and rebuild. And I think that that's, that's the big change in, sh- in sort of mentality that I see. It, well, this applies in investing as well, right? I totally. think I've I've noticed like we're in a few property circles and groups and I've noticed some people go very quiet and uh, scramble for cash because they had thin yields, rates have gone up and suddenly they're in an uh, – they didn't expect to be but now they are in a negatively geared cycle where they're funneling money in just to play defense. But they're not going to be able to seize any of the opportunities if a recession hits or property prices fall or anything like that. So and on top of that, the pressure, the the – the pressure to earn just to weather that storm as well. Like, like it's not just one thing where they just they can just set there and not do anything, right? Yeah, so like ima- it, imagine it, right? You got a let's say you got a million dollar mortgage, which isn't uncommon in Australia, no. right? You got a couple of investment properties with some debt on it, and then you've got a sloppily run business. So you're a bit fat on management, you've been a bit loosey goosey, you know, maybe, you know, got those business class fights when you know, economy would have done, got the extra room at the hotel. Rates start jacking up and you're feeling that pressure. Maybe you start here in recession. I could see why someone would shift to playing defense. Totally. Totally. Because what other choice? I don't want to get rid of my car, Charlie. I don't want to sell my house, Charlie, because prices are going down. I don't want to do all these things. Wait, wait. Is this? Maybe we should just frame this whole episode as this is Charlie's chance to get a Porsche 911. And that's the real benefit <laughs> of thriving in a recession. Just anyway, maybe one day. Potentially. Potentially. <clears throat> so – why? Why is this a good time to start start a business, Charlie? All right. So we, we've obviously prepped some points. I love the TR. I feel like people understand that there's like uh, this recession-y thing kind of kicking around. Yeah, we, we definitely. And we do plan for these episodes. We know the points we're going to discuss. <laughs> the knife. We know the knife that we're going to just. All right. So let's go with point number one. Why is a recession the best time to build a business or focus on your business if you've already got one? I think the glaringly obvious one that I love is like, any poorly run businesses get weeded out. Like this is market share absorption time. So if you've been competing with another business and they've got bloated expenses, too much debt, and they have to retract, this is your time to just absorb that easily. It's much easier to take on a competitor if they're sloppy than if they're fighting fit or in a boom time. Totally. I, I see this uh, a lot where uh, like an organisation will have, fitted out an office or they would have sort of planned for this big expansion 
they've got larger overheads. They might have loaded up some debt to push through the last couple of years, which there would be a lot of organisations that have loaded up on debt. And now they've kind of got this huge ton chain just kind of holding them back a little bit. And they're sitting there trying to survive, trying to make sales, trying to generate revenue whilst they're paying down debt, whilst they're paying off office expenses, while they're paying off all of these other things where a new or a leaner business would potentially just not have that sort of same thing, right? So these these options or these decisions that they had made in the past are actually coming back to sort of nibble at them, right? And there are so many different situations that could have played out in that. All right, so I'll put this out there then. I don't know we haven't discussed this, so I might catch you off guard a little bit. If you're a business owner today where we're looking at things and go, times are still relatively good, you might be doing okay, is this the time to get leaner now and thin out and work on these things in preparation that if this happens, you're going to be in a better position? Because I'm looking at this and going, all right, you prepare for as if a recession is coming and you start running your business at a better level, right? You get rid of bloated expenses, you get lean, focus on profitability. I'm like, if it doesn't happen, you just made a more profitable business. What, what like, a horrible outcome. What is the downside on that? <laughs> but this, Yeah, you would almost argue that that should be the norm for everybody. Like It should be like every quarter, every year, you should be evaluating going, what fat exists here? What should I actually be looking to carve out? Like it, should, yeah, it shouldn't take a recession. I am of that view. It shouldn't take a recession for you just to feel that pain. Because I would argue that if, if you're sitting there sort of now going, oh, I didn't, didn't look at, didn't realise the profitability wasn't here, I didn't realise sort of the team was bloated, you're probably a little bit later than you should have been, which it's better to change that now than never. But it's more like, okay, the better question to ask yourself is, great, how am I going to approach this now? But what would I do differently in the future so I didn't have to wait for such a tough situation <laughs> before Completely. I could make those decisions. I think it's a great time to mastermind with other business owners and see how they're navigating these types of things. To, As I said, you want to be fighting fit if it does come. Like totally. this isn't the time for doing silly expansions or bloating management on long plays if you're looking at this type of environment. So I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting idea in general at the moment. I think there's... There's another concept that I love uh, around it. And I know you and I spoke about, and you got this great story, is that there are so many different doors that start opening through a recession. And it's more because people are willing to see what other opportunities are sort of sitting around there who might have previously in a, in a really sort of booming market had their doors closed because there's too much opportunity and too many good things to look at where now they're like, oh, I just want to find that needle in the haystack. i got to find that one. Um, and I know you've got a great story around what happened through sort of the last couple of years for yourself. Nice avoiding the word. The I, was, I almost C, said it. So we don't get flagged by <laughs> YouTube. No, I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> I know this guy, Ovid, he's a good bloke. Good bloke. Uh, uh, anyway. First, enough first letter of Charlie. <laughs> all right. So he, the, the, anyway, I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about. You go a couple of years back, an event happened, all the rest of it. Yes, we have to be careful what we say because, you know, platforms flag these things in algorithms. Um, all right. So coming back to that time, a really interesting thing happened. A recession happened technically, I believe, like there was two months of, you know, negative GDP growth overall. We entered this time and everyone was really uncertain. And what occurred for me was the most interesting thing ever. I got an invite to attend a weekly Zoom call with other business owners, right? So, you know, like a mastermind call. And I'm like, all right, I'll go see how everyone else is playing it. 
So again, I just want to frame this up. I think I did a poor job. So the COVID kind of hit, and I'm just going to say it. Oh, yeah. In the coming weeks after, I got an invite from a fellow business owner who I respect immensely saying, hey, I'm going to start doing these weekly calls just to check in with everyone and how they're playing what's going on in the world. Now, I got that invite and I was like, I want to be on that call. I want to see what everyone's doing and how we can potentially work together in it. I rock up to the call, right? Every person that was on the call wanted the same thing. I'm on a call with 12 other business owners that there is no chance they would have spoken to me if not. Mm. So suddenly all absolute hitters in the space of Australia are on a call. Now, my experience with like mastermind calls in the good times is like maybe two out of 10 people rock up and they've normally got pretty shitty questions and they're not really that open-minded to doing deals because they're all working on their own things. Where in this environment, I'm on a call with like 10 other business owners all want to be there, all really successful companies going, how can we work together on this? I'm getting meetings that I previously wouldn't get access to. I've got people saying to me, how can we do a joint venture here? I don't want to spend money on ad spend. Can we cross sell our lists here or create a bundle? And I'm like, where were these types of offers a year ago? (laughs) You didn't have to wait for this to have the conversations. Exactly. But isn't it interesting that when a recession occurs – these opportunities started appearing for me. And we actually did really well in that environment because of that knock-on, because I was able to get on calls. I had people banging down the door to get on the podcast that I would normally have to hunt and chase for. Yeah, Different podcast, obviously, to this show here, but it's like, it was really surprising to me. Like, A-list people were hunting for opportunities to get on podcasts where normally I would be struggling to get in touch with anyone on their team to even get them to come on a podcast. You know, it's really interesting. So I was on a board meeting um, with one of the software companies on Thursday. Um, And so in board meetings, essentially it's like the health of the business, but then also strategically they're trying to get endorsement from the board to spend large sums of money into different things. And it was really interesting seeing what the CEO had pitched. There were two huge opportunities that I would argue that wouldn't have existed unless the current environment wasn't at play. So one of them, he came in and said, hey, I'm looking for fifty dollars to $100,000 to go and go 50-50 in a business with another consulting firm, so bring our software into a consulting firm, to go and sell a whole heap of things to the government based on what they're looking to do on the other side of a recession. And so they're looking at an opportunity to start a business with someone else based on the changes that are happening thanks to the recession that opens more opportunities that they're looking to capitalize on. And I'm like, why are they partnering with us? And they're like, because they know we've got some cash buffers, but they also know that we, we're we here and we're willing to weather the storm with them. And they're actually doing a similar play in the UK as well. And so they're actually going, how do we go and utilize a good deployment of capital to seize opportunities with people that probably wouldn't have spoken to us or brought these ideas and conversations with us to take advantage of other opportunities that are there? And I was sitting there going, well played. Very well played. And so obviously I was like 100% for it. But those are the types of opportunities that people should be looking out for, right? Of going, what are these conversations that now exist? But also what are the potential plays that I could be putting into motion now? Yeah, just th- just think of it. Uh, this is probably the one thing I would love to do uh, way more of. And I'm going to say when the next recession occurs. Noting it might not be soon. It could be five years, 10 years from now. Who knows, right? Yep. But it's like, I want to be so much more aggressive in being outbound in contacting other business owners because the 
collaborations, JV opportunities. Like I didn't do enough of that on the last round. There's more opportunity pot that I could have got around and more things that could have happened in that light. I just love all the stories. that, And I know many more. I'm not the only business owner that experienced this. Yeah. It was, a, it was another interesting thing that kind of popped up as well was that – so in software, one of the biggest challenges that we had was hiring developers because every single human being on the face of the planet wanted developers, and they still do. It was just like we would put, up, put out a job ad or go headhunting, and it would take us a long time to try and find someone. When now – uh, on the same board meeting, they're like, there is now an abundance of people that we can actually interview <laughs> for developer roles. And so they're going to expand the development team and they're like, this is a very different market to what it was before. Like now we can put up a job ad and actually get some decent applicants without us paying through the roof or without us like headhunting named individuals. And I was like, yeah, we're totally seeing the same in the media Completely. business. We're seeing the same across the board. And it's like this inverse impact around like a recession where – all these businesses who have sort of been caught out in the ocean, not wearing any sort of underwear or sort of swim swimwear and going, oh, we're swimming naked. All right, push the team back into the market so anyone else can go and have them. But they're high quality people, which means that the opportunity for us to actually scale and hire and recruit is just amazing. Did you catch the news on this one? I can't remember if it was like Google or Facebook or it might have even been Tesla that have put a freeze on hiring. Like all they're not actually hiring now. Might be all of them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they all did. Yeah, so Facebook's even contracting. So they're actually removing people. So they're finding what they call like the dead wood and they're trying to remove the people who aren't like the A players as well, trying to rip them out. Great second point. We'll come back to that one. But can, just imagine there's all these graduates coming out of universities or I don't know if you have to go to university to be a developer, but Probably. some sort of training. <laughs> But if, like, in a previous time, let's pretend it's a university. Year finishes, new year of graduates and engineers and things like that that Google and Facebook would normally snap up. They're not hiring at the moment. So those pool of people go into the marketplace for everyone else. And to your point, I love this point you've made, is, like, this is the time when businesses have the opportunity to actually remove B players because there's an abundance. You might be able to pick up an A player at the same rate or a talent pool that just wasn't available. Like, what if what if the mindset of a recession was upgrade my team? Well, that was that, that was the exact point. Because the other thing, and I know this is more tech heavy, is when you bring on real senior developers, you usually provide them an ESOP, which is an employee share option plan. Where a lot of these massive tech companies are just not offering the same, or the share market's been hit, which means it just doesn't equate to the same amount of money. And so, if you're a startup. The incentive for them going, oh, this is actually probably going to be a bit better than some stock options on a compressing organization. So now it's even a little bit more readily for the A players to leave, not just the B players that they're trying to get rid of leaving. Do you know what's interesting? As we go through this list, I'm like, recession doesn't sound all that bad. <laughs> oh, if you know how to play it, it's, yeah. It's one of those things that I think through every downturn, there's always great opportunities. It's just like where do the opportunities sit and how are you going to play it appropriately? Is there a skill gap here? Is this a time where it's like people have got like, – maybe you're a business owner that's developed your skills for I know how to behave when times are good and then when the more challenging times come, it's just like you haven't you, – you, you're not flicking the switch to go time to hire, time to go out there and do JVs. And if you did that, you may actually favourably move in a recession. You know what I think of it like? I think of it like bringing in a kitchen – and using like the good bits of the salmon, the good bits of the tuna and making these dishes as the time's good. 
But then as a recession hits, you've only got the leftovers. And instead of just throwing them in the bin, you're now trying to make a really nice like, marinara. Do you know how happy I am right now that you found a way to bring a cooking analogy into this show? <laughs> Do you like that? That was good. I, I'm actually impressed. <laughs> you could actually use the same for like beef and stuff and then using the bones and making like a, a broth or something. But yeah, where it's now you're trying to make, instead of just throwing them in the bin and going, cool, like we're just going to close the kitchen. It's like, how can I use what I have to maximize a really good meal? And, or in this case, to provide the business to actually be really good and then push out something that people want. Do you think there's a mentality around it as well, though? Because like a lot of the things we're talking about, like you you may, let's say you rehire a team, right? So you go after this and you go, cool, I've got the B players off my team. I've got some A players, but I'm not going to feel the impacts of that 12 months, maybe longer, I don't know. But then you look at it and go, oh, my p and is still taking a bit of a hit. Sales are down. So do you think that you have to like, I kind of expect to make less in this time if your industry is appropriate for that. But just kind of knowing that you're stacking the deck for thriving when the next boom comes, like potentially that's the mentality we need to take to these things or the mindset. So one of, <laughs> so one of the businesses uh, that I'm involved in, like they've got great cash buffers and they're actively going out and looking for more debt because they can get better returns on the 10%, 12% on the debt that they're paying, which is an out-of-bank debt, by the way. This is high net worth individuals you're borrowing on based on the opportunities that are available. Even though they've got cash sitting in bank accounts, they're like, well, how do we how do we go? Like we know that there's demand in these areas and we know that we can seize these opportunities and unleash a beast. And so they're playing it completely different to how other people are. So these Com- people are looking completely. at these businesses going, you've got such cash, good cash buffers, like why do you need this? And they're like, ah, this is the bigger game. And everyone's like, we get it. I'm by no means a stock picker. I'm actually terrible at stocks in general or shares. But I look at it right now. Like I really love the company Google. And I go and look at the beat down their share prices go. And I'm like, some of the smartest people in the world work there. And I'm like, what what am I missing here? Like we think their advertising business is going to be down for a couple of years. Like is that a bit (laughs) short-sighted? Completely. Completely. These guys just pick an industry and go, oh, I know, let's just destroy mm, maps, the bellways, <laughs> email, video, like the, the power moves. Like, yeah. So I can only imagine what they'll do in the future. Not financial advice. I'm not saying buy Google, but I do wonder about these things. Completely. It actually is an interesting point that you brought up, Google, though, because I find that the recessions also force new business owners to drive innovation. Do you, feel, do you feel the same? Yeah, it kind of ties into this other point I mentioned earlier about like the business owner that's now open to a JV instead mm. of him maybe running ads. So he's gone, I need to cut costs because I want to get my model leaner to survive these times. So it's like he's innovating his way through that. So he's gone, oh, I'm running a bit thin here. I don't have the money to potentially spend on ads. Noting that ads will probably be cheaper in a recession as everyone spends less, but I'll leave that out of the conversation. Um but it might be the trigger for them to innovate and go, well, how can I market my business without spending money and JVs or collaborations turn into that? I'm sure there's many examples of that. Completely. I, I found something which which is quite interesting uh, where organisations have started looking for um, better tech solutions to labour problems. Like essentially if I was to... Do we, talk- wait, did we do this when we yeah. shifted away from like we had like Frame and I can't remember how many other softwares and now we're like all in one in ClickUp? Exactly. And so this is where like a lot of organizations are saying, well, what can we 
do to decrease spending? Or what, what innovative tweaks can we make in order to continue delivering the service or the goods or the products that we do in an easier, faster, more effective way? And so it's almost like, and when I say innovation, it doesn't have to mean that you completely shift your service offering or your product. Like it's like these little fractional improvements of going, oh, we could change this in how we deliver services. So we might use, I don't know, um, a different editing software because it might be cheaper or it might be faster or it might automate a, a particular point in it where if the times were good, we wouldn't have looked at it because it's like, well, times are good. Like we don't need to worry about this stuff. And so now we're starting to look deeper into these things to say, okay, well, what other things can we start to innovate so we're not sort of just pulling ourselves and just spending money for the sake of spending money? Can I use some examples? Go for it. And I wonder if you noticed it. Has your uh, like Coles or Woolworths or whatever supermarket you use, the one in my area has gone from being like, uh, let's say 20% self-checkout and 80% staffed to I would say it's now 60% self-checkout. Like they've actually got like the full trolley runs to do self-checkout now. It's not like the quick items. And uh, I wonder if that's an innovation based on the uh, struggle to get staff. Yep. Struggling to hire in these times, struggling with if someone was to get the big C, the amount of time they need off and can't come into contact with others, the transmission, like they find a way to actually reduce their headcount. Exactly. And that's, but then it's like in, when the times are really, really good, why would you look to try and do those things? Like why would you try and drive your customers into a lesser experience where perceivably they'd be like, oh, I don't really like this experience? And they go, cool, no, they're willing to adapt to it because the only other inverse is the business is going to compress margins or you're going to charge more for your products. And trust me, I'd much rather swipe my own products than paying more for it. Completely. Yeah, I don't want my muscle chef meals becoming more expensive. Yeah, I don't think you can buy them at Coles though. It's like a, a thing. IGA, is that a, IGA and IGA thing. Woolworths and IGA. Just so everyone is aware, we, me and Grant have a secret obsession. It's not so secret though, I guess, if we're releasing like on the podcast, but we've been a healthy obsession with muscle chef meals. Anyway, <clears throat> how, how do you feel about this, right? I think in a, in a recession, this is the perfect opportunity to reshape your offering to be like a cost-cutting, money-saving offer. So... Do you know what I mean? Like imagine you're a marketing agency and I just use that because it's my own experience and like previously you've been promising everyone growth and like you go around to everyone and say, forget growth, I'm going to get you the same results but you're going to spend less. Yep. So reshape the offer to fit the environment and I'm sure there's many versions of this in a different way but if you're one of those, let's say, you know, we take two camps again. If you're the business owner that's run a sloppy business, what you're going to have to focus on is like, crap, I've got to tighten things here. But if you're someone who's running a good business, got good cash buffers, done things in this recession hints, this is your perfect time like to innovate your offer and delivery so that it fits something people would want in these times. And the example of the marketing company is, well, we're no longer doing ads. We're going to put these JVDs together. We're going to get our clients and we're going to pair them up and they're going to pay us for a matchmaking service. Yep. So just a, a new innovation on that. And it's pretty surprising when you think about it. How many business owners don't realize they probably have a cost-cutting offer if they were going to shape it? But also, I'll put this out. How many business owners that you see continue to push the same offer, which might be a make-more-money offer, right, through recession? And just go, Why, Charlie, do my lead costs keep going up? Why is it becoming more expensive for me to acquire a customer? But then they don't look at going, well, not everybody wants that. <laughs> not everybody thinks that it is even possible to make more money in this. Like they're all worried about every single penny. 
So it's actually worse because, and this validates your point even more. It's like, well, if you keep pitching your offer and just spending more and hoping to sort of start pulling in some cash, I think you're just going to be sadly mistaken. You're just going to waste more money. Where if you actually tweaked and innovated to what you're saying, which is like, well, actually, here's a different service or here's a tweaked service on how do you save money or how are you winning in this environment or how should you operate for the next couple of years? I totally think that that's a better strategy and an adaption to the times that are sit here. Completely. I'll say the opposite as well. Do you, have you seen this? I did notice this in the last event, hint, hint, people <laughs> discounting to make sales, not realising they're just like actually like done damage because now they've just actually thinned their margin. It's actually restricted the moves they can make further. Or like, they, so, they sold a whole heap of like upfront packages and then they had to try and deliver it over the next six to 12 months. And they're just like, oh, wait, I got to pay people to deliver this stuff even though I took the cash to go and pay. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on people needing to understand it doesn't matter if you get money upfront or over a duration of time, you still have delivery costs. Yeah. Getting money upfront doesn't make it something more profitable. Yes, it gives you better cash flow, but it doesn't necessarily increase your profit. Then I don't have to deal with expired credit cards, Charlie, and I don't need to go and chase up all those payments because I've got all the money up front. Completely. <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> all right, next one. Negotiating power. I really like this. This is one you brought up. I'll let you kick this one off because I suspect you probably have a good story or experience to go with it. Yeah, so the thing that happens that I've personally seen through recessions is that because everybody else around you is starting to feel the pinch of it, you have the ability to start negotiating on payment terms, start negotiating on what, what, how the deal is going to be constructed. So if I was to use your JV opportunity, if the times were good and everybody's making a lot of money, it's very difficult to do a beneficial JV agreement, right? But if times are not good and you're the one initiating the engagement, then the negotiating power for you where you're the only one bringing opportunity to the table starts becoming more aware and I'll go back to those two stories that I was mentioning before around sort of the expansion to the UK, but also the partnering of um, with another company for the government play. Then the negotiations where both parties weren't trying to get one up. They were just going, hey, there's a gap in the market. How do we just go and play this better? And so the negotiation play weren't two organisations trying to sort of get up on top of each other. It was two organisations just going, cool, times aren't good. Let's put some cash in a bank account. Let's build this thing for when availability comes and let's go forwards. And so I think if you're the one on the front foot, you're actually the one who is in a better position to seize the opportunities as opposed to if you're the person on the back foot going, oh my gosh, I'm compressing. I'm the one trying to save money. I'm the one that's not having good lead volume. I'm not selling as much as I used to. Now you're on the back foot, which means that you don't actually have a lot of negotiating power because what are you bringing to the table to a JV or what are you bringing to the table to these other opportunities? Let's use an example of this one. Let's say I'm, I manufacture a product, right? And then someone rings me up and I've got this factory here and I've got this team and someone calls me up and goes, look, we can't do 30-day terms anymore. We're going to do a 60. I'm going to pay you slower. And that, that business owner with the factory sitting there going, well, what if they leave? Mm-hmm. And they're sitting in that frame like they're much more negotiable because the um, fear emotion is running high. Now, that's just one for like cash flow cycles that may or may not be appropriate, but I can see so many ways where if you're the one, what do they call it, diamond hands? If you're the stable one. (laughs) But there was a a great story of a 
company that manufactures uh, drink bottles that I know, and I won't name their name because they, they just don't deserve to be named, but they have distribution through China primarily. And what ended up happening is this distributor has got connections through these major Chinese distribution centers. And the distributor actually came to them, would have been a couple of months ago, and said that, hey, we we are the reseller of this type of takeaway coffee cup. It's like one of the ceramic-y, plastic-y kind of takeaway coffee cups. Like, But the margin is not good enough from the company that we are getting them from for us to continue pushing this thing. Can you manufacture them for us and we'll buy them from you and we'll actually go and sell your product <laughs> instead? Talk about negotiating power, right? They're like, I've got the demand. All the demand that sits in like China and they're in other countries and stuff as well. They're like, stuff this guy. <laughs> They're not giving us the margin we want. You can make other kind of plasticky things. Do you want it? Because totally, well, I like working with you. <laughs> you can produce, you provide good quality. Can you go and do it? So they did it. And so now they're sort of producing this product where they're actually just going to get rid of this other company. And just now they've opened this entire separate business of theirs just for this distributor to go and sell coffee cups. I love that story. It was, it, it was when I when I was talking to them about it, I'm like – Guys, that's fantastic. <laughs> like that is the greatest example of how the times are shifting. Because obviously this other company, right, has made these bad decisions where they've increased their price to the point that the person distributing them is not making the money that they should be making to justify the effort they put on top of it. So these go elsewhere. And now you're negotiating power. I don't want to downplay the challenges that come with the recession. Totally. Like, yeah. There are things that in that time, like you're probably going to get what I call a wild card where something's going to happen that's not going to be great or you're going to get news of something or a friend or family member might be affected or lose their job. There are challenges in that time. But I, I just really highlights to me the importance of recognising what good outcomes can come from you. Like it doesn't have to be your losing season. It doesn't have to be the thing that destroys your business. Like there is ability to make moves and do things if you were to focus on the activities we're suggesting in this episode. And it it comes down to the perspective of it as well. And we've spoken a bit about sort of how you perceive these situations because it's a lot easier to compress and just how weather the storm versus like where do the opportunities sit. It's and a completely like, different mindset. To- totally. Like how do you do the opposite to what people are currently doing? Like how do you – how does everyone around me say um, it's tough, running business is crazy, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, so what are the opportunities? <laughs> how am I going to play this better? Is your knee-jerk reaction, though, not bunker down? Totally. This is the this was why it was interesting um, in the conversation that we've had around, like, traders and how they have to fight that initial knee-jerk reaction because I have situations that happen and I will immediately have a knee-jerk reaction and then it just takes me a minute to go, all right, cool, now that's out of my system, how am I going to play this? Like, what is the better solution? Because I don't think I can completely avoid the knee-jerk reaction. I think I just have to accept the knee-jerk reaction, not react to it, meaning like don't burn the boats in that second. I just go, cool, now what's next? How do I play this? Do I compress? Do I expand? Do I look for opportunities? Do I jump into another opportunity? Like what am I doing here? But I, I just think it's very difficult, even for myself, to not respond with the knee-jerk reaction initially, but then right. I would never really make a decision on it. I, I'm going to go out of a limb here a little bit, although I don't feel like it's that far a stretch, to be honest. It's like, let's say uh, you hear all this conversation about recession, you see the news of it, it's an official one from there, and then the knee-jerk reaction is, ooh, bunker down, which just means conserve, stop spending, cut costs, play defense. 
right? You look around you at every other business owner and they're doing the same thing. That then justifies your behavior. Totally. You feel validated. This is what everyone else is doing. So this must be the safe way to play it. But it actually causes the recession for you. Are you bunkering down, Charlie? Not at all. Um, but the point I make is like I could totally see at a what do they call it a, a group level or group think level is like if oh everyone around me is now bunkering down I better do the same yeah, it's so the perceived effect. yeah the perceived yeah. safety in that where um, if you look at what we're suggesting in this episode if everyone around you was thinking like this that would normalize the result I just feel like it's so uncommon and to your point earlier about it's like not knowing what to do with the scraps in the cooking analogy. Great. Where if you knew these things and going, hang on, well, like there's moves to make here, maybe you would look around and go, well, everyone's already started to bunker down. This is my time to reach out to them and do JVs. This is my time to uh, potentially steal their stuff. <laughs> but the, you know what's funny? As you're putting the scraps away, whilst times are good, knowing that you're going to use those scraps because you look after them a lot more, right? I'm putting them in the fridge. I'm making sure like they're, they're a decent enough bit of a scrap for me to put into a good meal that people want to pay for. As opposed to going, oh wait, let's let's rummage through the bin and try and find the scraps. To I put hear into fish the eyes are delicious. <laughs> it sounds great. It's but, like a delicacy in some places, but anyway. The other the other thing that and for anyone listening to this, I, I do want to say though, like it can be hard to find those pockets of people, Charlie. Like it's like, how do you find those people that are bucking the trend? of, well, everyone around me is now compressing and I want to be the tall poppy. I want to step out and just be like, hey, let's let's do this. Like, Feel free to reach out to us. Jump in, in the Facebook group, the Full Stack Business Owner Facebook group um, because I think it's just having those conversations that help you open the eyes to actually go, oh, there is a better way for this or how are you playing this? Ask Charlie and myself, like, how are you playing this? How are you thinking about this? What is your approach to it? But you had this great point that I would love to finish on around the whole concept of long-term thinking because I think it wraps up everything so perfectly with a bow. Yeah. um, One of my mentors had suggested the idea that the shorter you're thinking it is, the harder it is actually to be successful and the longer term you think, the better you can do overall. And I've been very challenged by that many times because I think, oh, I am thinking long-term. And then it's like, no, no, you're actually thinking in like years. He's like, I'm thinking decades. I'm like, yep. all right, like there's levels up to this. So um, the tendency of people is they think the environment they're in is going to last forever. So people that are in the boom time think that a recession will never happen and then when it happens, it's, it throws them. But when the recession comes is they play the recession, not what comes after the recession. So the mentality of when a recession would hit is survive the recession. This is how I'm going to play in the recession where his view was like, well, what if you're thinking in a recession is it's all about stacking the deck for the next boom? Yep. And what if in the boom it's all about stacking the deck for the recession? And it comes down to this idea and concept I know you love about counter-cyclical thinking and long-term <laughs> thinking, which is um, yeah, which is a really, really interesting concept. So in the idea that in the boom times you're the one behaving in a way that will have you take away uh, advantage of the recession is longer term thinking than someone who's just playing the current environment. So I think that longer term view and having the ability uh, to ride through different environments and be the vulture, right? Be in a position to capitalize on that, like I'll throw that in. Oh, that was good. Yeah, is the concept to think about because the people that are thinking like 10-year game plans, 20-year game plans, ultimately 
tend to do better off overall. Like I can't remember that study, right? But it's like the whole idea is that most of the billionaires had a vision that exceeded a duration of time. So you look at like Bezos, Musk, even Zuckerberg and all the rest is like their vision and thesis of what they were doing was so far past like this short-term thinking. So I think that- Microsoft wasn't built on how do I survive this recession? (laughs) (laughs) But but the best part about it, Redouble checking the opportunities that arise through a recession is that you start operating your business in a way that will absolutely crush beyond it, right? Like imagine running a business with the optimization and cost cutting and all those kind of things and the opportunity hunting that you do during a recession outside of it and just imagine how your business would scale, how profitable it will be, how with just applying those concepts of just, well, this is what I did during a recession, right? Like it's actually... How you should probably run a good business is look for good opportunities, look for great JVs, decrease costs, try and innovate. Like, Which is really <laughs> why not wired to change, are we, as people? Like the idea of having to change, all right, so there's a, a business you operate in boom times and there's a business you operate in bust times or recessionary times. To think that you would have to change and flip strategies between those times. So, oh, scary. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's not that big a deal, right? What it's mean? You can – change people can change it's possible especially when you expect it to happen but i'm going to wrap this one up though charlie let's do it all right so for everyone who's listening to this i just want to say thank you for joining us if you're not already head over to fullstackbusinessowner.com forward slash newsletter subscribe to the newsletter get updated with everything that we drop out as well Let's look out for some Easter eggs. Charlie and I do have a couple of cool things planned. Dude, Easter is so far away. I feel like we should be seeding something for Christmas. Christmas eggs. Look out for the Christmas eggs. (laughs) (laughs) And I just want to say thank you to everybody. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Full Stack of Business Owner.